Welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, and I'm here to take you through the very latest news and views, hints, tips, and tricks to help you on your property journey. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I hope you're well. Uh, Starting off with the inflation figures, this week we got inflation figures which were slightly better than expected, which has impacted swap rates. And these are the rates on which the lenders base the rates that they're able to offer mortgage borrowers. And therefore, it has had an impact, but that impact is so slight that honestly, it's hardly worth talking about. It's about one basis point, which is a tiny fraction of any relevant uh, amount, really, frankly, when it comes to mortgages. So whilst it's good news, we're great seeing inflation coming down. Very happy to see that happening. It hasn't had a significant impact on the market at this stage, but it's going in the right direction. Are we out of the woods yet? Well, that remains to be seen. One of the problems we have is wage price inflation. I'm not suggesting for one moment that people shouldn't go out there and try and get what they can in terms of salary. But uh, as long as we have this spiral of prices going up and so wages go up, it goes around in a vicious spiral. And therefore, we may need more pain yet, according to the strategy of the Bank of England. So I can still see the best case at the next MPC meeting, which is on the 3rd of August, that interest rates are held at their current level, more likely we'll see an increase in interest rates of another 0.25 basis points or 0.5 basis points. I think more likely a quarter of a point or a hold um, because I think those inflation numbers are still a bit sticky and it may take some further pain yet. Uh, We'll see. I wanted to talk a little bit about landlords today, then we get on to the general news. Um, Landlords, I know a lot of you are feeling the pain of the current market, and I wanted to relate it to how we've seen it over the last few years. I mean, if we relate it to the weather, first of all, you know, if you look back a couple of years, the sun is out, landlords are renting homes, making good profits, most are not increasing rents annually, and times are good. The yield on properties is reasonably strong. Tenants and landlords are fairly equal in their satisfaction and things are going well generally. And then the clouds start to brew. Interest rates start to rise. And then as landlords lose the fixed rates they're on, things change. It's the perfect storm, really. The clouds are brewing. Interest rates have risen massively for landlords on top of various disincentives to be a landlord from a short-sighted government and opposition that sees landlords as the devil incarnate. Just listen to some of the attacks from the House of Commons if you want evidence of that. Um, One of the biggest things was, of course, Section 24. Um, That is the inability of landlords to be able to offset their tax against their rental income. But uh, for larger landlords and companies, of course, that doesn't apply. There are various methods and things you can do. But for most landlords, the scenario was this. The letter arrives. And I say letter because it's a physical letter with lenders, unlike most things these days. Landlords will receive a letter and the dreaded letter usually comes via the postbox. And then they know what it is because they've seen it many times before. Their fixed rate has ended and many will take a sharp intake of breath. They know or they knew it was coming, but they had no idea of the extent of the rise and how it will impact them. The letter goes on to state the new rate and how much the increased payment will be. The envelope's opened and the news is bad, very bad. Payments have doubled or tripled and the landlord has a dilemma. Should I stay or should I go now? The landlord sits stunned. Look at the letter again, what to do. 
many landlords' rates have gone from as little as 0.5% to 1.5% to as much as 10% on a variable rate, meaning that what was making a healthy profit is now no longer yielding any short-term benefit to the landlord in many cases. So what do the landlords do when the rent no longer covers the mortgage payment? Of course, many have had no choice but to increase rents, forcing already struggling tenants to pay more and cut back in other areas. This is very hard on tenants who often are at the better the bottom of the pay scale as well. So the lower income ones are those that are impacted most heavily. Juggling the finances. Now, for some, refinancing is an option. Seek independent financial advice when you do this, of course. Those with larger portfolios may sell a number of those properties to reduce their mortgage liabilities and others will actually use some clever tax planning rules to convert their portfolios to limited companies in order to be able to offset their interest payments against tax. Now the problem with remortgaging is that lenders are also tightening their criterion and where you may have qualified for a buy-to-let loan before you may now not qualify at all and this is a huge problem for some landlords as they get stuck on a very high base rate with literally nowhere to turn. So what's the other option? Flog it. Sell. Well, landlords have another choice and many are exercising it. Selling. Many landlords are sitting on substantial capital gains and so are selling up, realising the gain and using the funds for their own investments. Some to enjoy the cash and some to just ease their personal finances. Of course, they need to consider capital gains tax in this scenario, which is currently 28%. So you do need to consult a tax advisor on that to make sure as to where you would sit once that asset is realized. So tough times for landlords. And of course, that reflects back onto tenants. And of course, tough times for everybody, really. Uh, But I just wanted to reflect on the scenario between landlords and tenants and the increasing tensions. I suspect this will continue to happen, of course. And as many more landlords sell up, as I suspect will happen over the coming months. So the problem will be exacerbated by a lack of stock coming into the market and the stock that does come to market having to come on at much higher rates because the landlords are paying much higher rates. It all reflects through, sadly, to often the poorest in society. And we don't revel in that. That's not a great thing. We don't like it at all. And what we'd like to see is an end to this inflation spiral. But my suspicion is we have a way to go yet before we can go ahead and look at better times ahead. I think it will be probably until the middle of next year that we have these dark clouds overhead. No one knows for sure when it will be. We just need to keep an eye on the inflation data to have an indication. But certainly good news in the inflation data this month. We'll see what happens come the 3rd of August in the Monetary Policy Committee meeting where they fix interest rates. It'll be very interesting watch. And obviously, we'll tell you all about the news right here on the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. Now, I wanted to talk to you about some uh, data that I thought was quite interesting. This is just released and it's part of is Hamptons. They're part of the Connells Group and they've used metrics from over 550 agency branches across Britain who form part of the Connells Group. This is a huge group of agencies. So it is a significant study. And those branches were brought in. Uh, they were formerly part of the countrywide group, which was struggling and it was bought by Connell. Now, Anisha Beveridge, she's a head of research at Hamptons, and they are a a very good group when it comes to data, says the following. Amidst the fragile economic backdrop and rising mortgage rates, buyers are becoming increasingly cautious. Consequently, with more choice and less competition around than last year, would-be buyers are taking longer to make an offer. COVID aside, this means it now takes longer to sell than in any June since 2013. However, This caution isn't necessarily translating into large discounts. While there were 90% more homes on the market last month than in June 2019, 
Most of this increase comes from the lengthening time it is taking to sell each home. With 11% fewer homes coming onto the market than at the same time in 2019, but only 4% fewer prospective buyers, the supply-demand imbalance continues to keep a floor under prices. Something we've talked about here at the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast many times is that imbalance, the lack of stock coming to market, with most people not being compelled to sell. Furthermore, they go on to say, talking about compelled sales, with few forced sellers in the market, most vendors are prepared to wait and see what happens in the hope they'll achieve a better price and a lower mortgage rate in the future. Ultimately, it's transaction numbers that have been bearing the brunt of the slowdown as would-be sellers wait. Here's the data in some detail. Last month, it took 15 days on average between a buyer registering and then making their first offer. That's the longest time recorded in any June since 2014, and it's up from 13 days in 2022 and just eight days in 2020 when the housing market picked up following the COVID lockdown. First-time buyers, however, remain a little more earnest, submitting an offer 12 days after first registering. It took an average of 52 days since coming onto the market for a home to receive its first offer, regardless of whether it was accepted or not. This is 19 days longer than in June last year and marks the second longest time between a home coming onto the market and receiving its first offer than in any June since 2014, only to be exceeded during COVID. Every region saw an increase with Wales recording the biggest year on year rise. However, Scotland is an outlier and saw only a one day increase. Overall, it's taking 48 days for a seller in Great Britain to accept an offer, 19 days longer than in June 2022. COVID aside, this makes it the slowest time to sell in any June since 2013. And it's the mid market that has slowed the most with the average home costing between 500,000 and 1 million pounds, taking 28 days longer to sell than this time last year. Despite rising mortgage rates, there have been no obvious signs that buyers are successfully negotiating big discounts on properties. Some 52% of homes sold in June across England and Wales were sold below their asking price. The same figure as the previous month. These homes sold for 4.4% below their asking price on average, a figure which has barely changed. In fact, fewer mortgage properties buyers had an offer accepted below the asking price last month, 51% in June, down from 52% in May. Consequently, a higher proportion of mortgage buyers paid over the asking price as sellers remained firm on pricing. Now, that's quite surprising to some, I know, and it is all about the lack of stock coming to market. Something we said for a while now is that the level of property coming to market is very, very low. It's death, debt and divorce, what we call the three Ds. You know, we have sadly people that have passed on. Those homes have to be sold, generally speaking. And then, of course, debt, people that are forced to sell, compelled to sell for that reason. And of course, sadly, divorce too. Outside of those three reasons, many, many people are deciding just to sit on their hands. Us Brits are very good at doing one thing when we're not sure about the market, and that is sitting on our hands. And that's why we're seeing a real lack of stock. And I suspect we'll see one of the slowest years when it comes to stock coming to market. And in certain markets, certainly what we're seeing is such a lack of stock coming into the market that when things come on, they're more popular than many would anticipate. Now on to some headlines from the national press. The Daily Telegraph, The Times, The Guardian, Independent have all gone with the same headline. Mortgage rates drop for the first time in months. Mortgage rates have fallen for the first time in two months, with this coming after inflation fell from 8.7% to 7.9%. The average two-year fixed residential mortgage rate has dipped to 6.79% on Thursday, from 6.81%, according to Money Facts, while the average five-year fixed loan edged down from 6.33% to 6.31%. 
This marks the first dip in average rates since a 0.01 percentage fall seen at the end of May. However, the average two-year tracker mortgages remained unchanged at 6.03%. I think it's worth saying at this point that the sort of rate changes we're looking at here are so slight, it's almost insignificant, frankly. So whilst they're, they're coming across that it's a big news headline, in fact, the financial uh, amount that you'd be paying would be hardly changed by this sort of tiny uh, rate change. I think what's more significant is the trend, the fact that the swap rates have come down. And let's hope that continues to be the case. But as I've said, it really is all about the expectations of what the Bank of England are going to do. The money markets decide what they think the Bank of England might do in the future. That's what swap rates are all about. And lenders use these swap rates as a hedge against the money they loan. So they rely on those swap rates to set fixed rates in the future. And in another article, the cost of living crisis hits the property sector. The Times looks at how the cost of living crisis and falling house prices have caused household wealth across Britain to decrease by £2.1 trillion. Citizen Advice Bureau are saying that the number of people it was seeing who could no longer afford the property they were living in has almost doubled in a year. Analysis for the Times by Knight Frank also found the gap between buyer and seller price expectations is at its widest point since the pandemic. Now on to rental. Daily Mirror Evening Standard and Guardian article, rent soars to an all-time high outside of London. New figures from Rightmove reveal the average rent being asked outside of London has hit a new record of £1,231 per month. That represents a 33% increase over the past four years. The average rent in London is more than double that of the rest of the country at £2,567 per month. It's crazy, isn't it? That's a 28% rise since 2019. In Edinburgh, advertised rents have increased by 24% in the past year. And in Luton and Bedfordshire, it was 22.4%. While in Staines, Surrey, it was 20%. Rightmove said that signs were that some landlords are selling up. 16% of properties currently for sale were previously available on the rental market. That's a huge figure. 16% of properties that were previously available for rent are now being sold. A figure which is up from 13% on 2019. Tenant demand is 3% higher than last year and 42% higher than in 2019. Meanwhile, the average available rental property is rented out in 17 days. That's the shortest period since November 2022. Tim Bannister, who's a fantastic stats guy at Rightmove, he's the director of property science innovation, said there will continue to be more tenants looking uh, to move than properties for them to move to for a while yet. Average asking rents for new tenants have risen at a rapid pace since the pandemic reflecting the significant increase in demand, which is driven by a combination of factors, including changed housing needs, such as some space to work from home. The new social housing reforms have become law, and this is good news. It means that we can't have horror conditions in social housing, and it's about time that happened too. That's an article in the Independent and the Yorkshire Post. There's builders uh, saying that they're building fewer homes for private sale. Many will, of course, hold back on building while they see what happens to the market more generally. And then on the other side of the market, the Financial Times reports that an oligarch mansion, oligarch mansion has fetched £113 million as a private sale defies transparency drive. That's from an Indian billionaire, Ravi Ruya. And he's purchased a £113 million mansion in London's Regent's Park in a private sale, highlighting the secrecy surrounding expensive home sales. And consumer confidence has fallen amid rising interest rates, unsurprisingly. Uh, I think 
And then home builders. The interesting thing here is that home builders have faced the biggest daily rate rise in, in five months. And the FTSE 350 builders index increased by 3.9%. And that's a very large rise, um, given that it's been steadily dropping. And expectations have grown that interest rates might peak sooner than initially feared. So shares in Taylor Wimpy, Barrett and Persimmon rose between 3 and 5%, while Vistry rose more than 5%. Neil Wilson, a market analyst, said investors are buying the oversold sector adding a sense the UK housing outlook may have been too bleak and rates won't go as high as previously indicated by the market. Well, it's good to see that. Let's hope they're right on that. Um, then, having looked at the things nationally, let's talk locally. We are now in the peak holiday season and here in Norbury, southwest London, where we sell and let properties every day. There is a real tension developing between landlords and tenants where landlords are increasing rents through no fault of their own due to the interest rates increasing massively. And then the flip side of that is tenants are struggling to afford that and are fighting back. And often they're requesting extra maintenance works as the only weapon they feel like they've got to fight back against the interest rate rises and therefore the rent rises that are being put on to them. Um, but the harsh reality is that many rents that were set last year are hundreds of pounds less than the new market rates and the landlords are protecting themselves by increasing the rates and therefore not having to contribute to their mortgages. And some landlords, you know, we're finding are actually still contributing. They're ending up in a situation where they were making a profit. And some would say, well, maybe they've made a good profit for too long. Well, that's an argument. But of course, if you're making no profit and you're now having to take your personal wages and invest those into the buy to let mortgage as opposed to making a profit, you may well decide there's time for you to quit the sector. And this is putting further pressure on rents again. So it's kind of a vicious circle on the rental side. On the sales side, family homes are still very popular. And we're finding that three bedroom homes are the most popular. And I think that's because people are coming out of the flats, seeking outdoor space and seeking those family homes that are practical for their families. Is it the right time for you to move? Well, that really does depend on your personal circumstances. What we're finding is that as long as you have significant equity in your property and you can afford the monthly payments on perhaps an uplift on the new rates, then there's no reason why you shouldn't lock into a good rate and move on. Obviously, take independent financial advice. But certainly what we're finding is the vast majority of people are sitting on their hands. So we've got less buyers and less sellers. On top of that, of course, that is compounded by the fact we are in July. The children are breaking up this week, in fact, for many, next week for some. And when the children break up from school, mum and dad, tend to enjoy the children and they tend to stay at home, maybe go on holiday and really don't want to know about moving home. And then, of course, as we said many times, we've got the September market and that's what we call the mums market. And we call it that for a reason. And that's because we find it's the mums that are contacting us in September after the holiday, the long holiday. You know, the children are at home playing in the garden, perhaps it rains, income the children, they're bigger now, the bikes are bigger now, mum and dad look at each other and say, we need to get something bigger. You know, and when you really need a, a family home that's a little bit bigger, then if you can afford to do it, then actually in a market where it's a little bit quieter, you can perhaps carve yourself out a better deal on the one you're buying, although it may be tougher on the one you're selling. So it is a balancing act. It's tough out there. And any agent that's telling you otherwise is not telling you the full story. As far as the General markets concerned here in Norway, what we're finding is that prices are holding up reasonably well. Some are providing discounts, especially where we've seen overpriced properties coming to market from other agents. Many are overpricing still, and then you see huge discounts. And this can lead to a misleading picture 
from a seller's a buyer's point of view rather where you look on the market and you see houses have come down from 750 to 725 to 700 to 675 it looks like the market has dropped by a massive percentage but in fact if they're overpriced in the first place then the percentage drop may actually be zero and many agents now because they're desperate because there's not much stock coming to market so all agents are fighting for the available stock will try and overprice a stock coming to market and then tie their clients in to a very long contract. Once signed up to maybe 20 or 24 weeks, they will then gradually call the client and ask for price reductions to try and then get that property sold. So the false promise is out there and they're out there in droves. And the way to check it is find out what things really sold for. That's the bottom line. Many agents will tell you a figure. But, you know, what's the data telling you? Look on land registry. Look at the facts. That's what we do here. And we make sure that we're giving as practical advice as we can. So I hope that's helpful to you this week. It's a strange one this week with the kind of landlord special bit and just letting you know what's going out there. But I do think it's a significant sector of the market. And even if you're not involved, you need to know what's going on. So thanks very much for listening. As always, we'll be back next week with another edition. Until then, look after yourselves and if you can, your family and friends. Ciao. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. You can find out more at our website, jamesalexander.com. You can email me directly, ken at jamesalexander.com. We are estate agents and we can give you hints, tips, tricks and advice wherever you're buying, selling, moving to or from. Thanks to Ben Sounds for the intro and outro today and thanks to Jack Bowles for production. 